When you look at the Christian world today, you find that there are hundreds of different flavors of Christianity or denominations. The World Christian Encyclopedia in 2001 suggested that there were about 33,000 different denominations in the world in 2001. And the Center for the Study of Global Christianity suggests that in 2012, there were 43,000 different denominations. Why are there so many different denominations? Well, stick around because in this episode, we're going to explore that question. You're listening to the Bible series with Pastor Robbie Bergen. According to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, these 40,000 groups can be divided into six families. Roman Catholics, Orthodox, Anglicans, Protestants, Independents, and Marginal. Now, all of these church families claim to be based upon one book, the Bible. If we look at the theological family tree, we can trace how these belief groups formed. 34 AD marks the date of the first real split in the Christian Jewish history. A new theological family branch was created in 34 AD, and the main reason for this was because of the theological differences on who the Christ was. The Christians saw the Christ as being Jesus, while the Jews rejected that Jesus was the Christ. They held both Christian and Jews to the same beliefs except for the teaching of Jesus. In 1053 AD, there was what is known as the Great Schism from the East and the West. This led to the Orthodox Greeks and the Roman Catholic Church in 538 to 1798. The East did not believe that one man should be in control of the church. It should be a council. But the West said that the Pope was God's representative on earth. There were other teachings surrounding the teaching of Easter, and also understanding of the nature of Christ that were factors in the split. Again, it was theological. In 1517, the next major split takes place from the Roman Catholic line. This was as a result of the Roman Catholic priest, Martin Luther. He saw a theological difference on the nature and method of salvation. This caused the beginning of what is known today as the Lutheran Church. In 1525, another group separating from the Lutherans was the Anabaptist. They held what the Lutherans believed, but they saw that you needed to be a believer to be baptized, not christened as a child. The Lutherans rejected this and so the two split. In 1534 AD, another split took place over the theological view of divorce from Rome, which then created the Anglican Church or the Church of England. In 1536, out of the Lutherans came the Calvinists, who saw that there was a need to live holy, but they also believed that the saved were predestined to be saved and the lost were predestined to be lost. Again, a theological difference. In 1607, the Baptists came out of the Calvinists over the issue of baptism, similar to the Anabaptists, but they were mostly in the New World, the Americas. A few years later, in 1671, came another split, called the Seventh-day Baptist. They held to what the Baptists taught, but arrived at a different theological position on the keeping of the Seventh-day Sabbath than their Baptist friends did, and hence another branch to the tree. In the 1630s, the Congregationalists broke away from the Calvinists. 
1693, the Amish broke away from the Anabaptists when they arrived in the United States, and their theological position was different to the Anabaptists over the use of technology, in that it was from the devil. In 1738, out of the teachings of John Wesley came the belief that there needed to be a revival in the Church of England. There needs to be personal transformation in the life of a Christian. And they desired to bring reformation to the Church of England, but because that didn't work, it created another church family. 1801 saw a split from the Baptist Church, a group who called themselves the Church of Christ, similar to but different enough to start another family. Then, in the 1830s, out of the Congregationalist, the Baptist, the Seventh-day Baptist, and the Methodists came the Adventists. Their main difference was that Jesus was going to come before the thousand years of peace that all other churches believed at the time. In 1901 came the Pentecostals, out of the Methodists. They saw the church as being too formal and that we need to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this was to be evidenced in speaking of tongues and signs and wonders, thus creating another family tree. The Mormons in 1830 came into existence based on texts which have never been seen, which became the Book of Mormon. This book is believed to have replaced the Bible and that the Bible you and I have is corrupted. So even though they are a religious group that have Christian aspects, they don't actually come from a family tree. In 1870, the Jehovah's Witnesses came from the Congregationalists and the Baptists, with their focus being on outreach and evangelism. In 1880, the Salvation Army came into existence with its heritage from the Methodist Church. And just out of interest, Willow Creek comes from the Congregationalist family, and Hillsong Church comes from the Pentecostal family. Every time there is a split, it is over how they understood the Bible. There is a fundamental reason why there are so many different denominations. We all have the same Bible. We all believe in the same Jesus. So why are there so many differences? Well, here is the answer. I saw the biggest trunk today. What does this sentence mean to you? You could have answered this by saying, it means I saw the biggest suitcase today. I saw the biggest trunk of an elephant today. I saw the biggest boot of a car today. I saw the biggest trunk of a tree today. This statement could be interpreted a number of different ways without understanding the actual author's intent. If this was a Bible text, we could have just created four different denominations based on this one text. Today we have the exact same problem with Christians and Christianity. Christians believe all kinds of things and they use the Bible to support it. Some believe God wants female pastors. Others believe God does not want female pastors. Some Christians believe that the Bible teaches same-sex marriage is okay. Others say the Bible teaches it's wrong. Some Christians say that we should support abortion. Others say we should oppose it. Some Christians say that the Bible teaches we can overcome sin. Other Christians say we can never overcome sin. Some Christians say we should drink alcohol. Others say the Bible teaches we should not drink alcohol. Today, we have the same splits taking place in Christianity that have existed throughout the history of Christianity. So let's go back to our imaginary Bible text. What are some of the things that we should have asked ourselves before trying to understand the statement? We should have asked things like, who wrote this statement? 
because this impacts the thought behind the text. When was this written? The timing makes a big difference. Where did the statement get written? The location is important. What was the culture of the author that wrote this statement? This may impact some of the idioms that are used. Who was the audience of the statement? Knowing the audience helps you understand the meaning. What are some of the other clues that are in this statement? So this brings us to the word hermeneutics. The word hermeneutics comes from the Greek word meaning to interpret. It's the science of interpretation. Now there are two types of things that we can interpret, nonverbal and verbal. Now we're going to focus on nonverbal, which is the writings. And within nonverbal, there are two types of literature, biblical writings and other literature, which brings us to the two key words. Within the principles of hermeneutics, there are two words we need to focus on exegesis and eisegesis. And no, they have nothing to do with Jesus. They're just two Greek words. Exegesis comes from the Greek word meaning to draw the meaning out. What did the author intend for his original readers to understand? Whereas eisegesis comes from the Greek word meaning to put meaning into. Interpreting a text or portion of a text in such a way that introduces your own agenda or bias. Of these two, the Bible student wants to always use exegesis method, not eisegesis. And even though this is so simple and logical, our human nature seems to default to eisegesis. In exegesis, you start with the Bible. You start with the text and ask, what does this mean? And try and get the meaning out. Whereas in eisegesis, we all have desires, traditions and wants, and we go into the scriptures saying, I think this is true. Let me find support from the scriptures for it. Here are some clues that we might be doing eisegesis. For me or to me. If we use expressions like this regarding the Bible, we're making the truth become subjective. It's my truth. The next is I feel. Using this expression suggests that the understanding of the text is fluid. And it's based on my feelings, how I feel right now. How I feel tomorrow reading the same text may affect me differently. Another example is I think. Using this expression is suggesting that we are using reason and logic without solid foundational study. This makes the text subjective. Also the expression, what does this passage mean to you? There is only one meaning to a text. There can be multiple applications, but this expression implies that the meaning you get can be different to the meaning I get. This is why two people can look at the same text and have two different outcomes. Exegesis says, what did it mean to the author? What did the original audience understand? And what were they expected to do? This cuts the me out of the interpretation. So in case you missed it, one of the main reasons for there being so many different churches is because of the method of hermeneutics that are used. Hermeneutics is a set of rules that we use when we try and interpret a text. There are two schools of hermeneutics, exegesis and eisegesis. The goal of Bible study is to use exegesis and try and understand what the original purpose of the text was. We want to start with the text and then come to an understanding not start out with a belief and use a text to prove it. So what does this mean for the Bible student? Number one, hermeneutics shape our worldview. Number two, exegesis allows the text to speak. And number three, eisegesis validates an existing belief. 
Have a blessed day. You've been listening to the Bible series with Pastor Robbie Bergen. For more of this series, go to seektv.com.